Podo. This is the story of a podcast. Welcome to A Pod Too Far, where we watched war movies that made Britain great. And in no film is Britain greater or our upper lips stiffer than today's. It's the naval classic in which we serve. I'm Rob Hutton, and I believe that an efficient podcast is a happy podcast. I'm joined from Below Decks by able seaman Duncan Weldon. Thank you very much, Roy. So you've promoted yourself to the officer's berth there and put me on Below Decks. I think, I think one of the things that is very clear about this film is that your accent tells you where, where in the <laughs> ship you come on. I was going to throw some more coal on the steamers. You can continue <laughs> if you're... <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? I mean, it, 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 there's a scene in the middle of this. Where they're where they're having the the Christmas lunches, and it is almost a cinematic version of uh, that Frost Report sketch with the the two Ronnies and John Cleese, you know, yes, and yeah, so, yeah. distinctly um, middle class, distinctly upper class, and distinctly working class. But yeah, yes, but all on a happy. Ship I am together. Noel Coward, and I look down on them <laughs> <laughs> because I'm. The, except he doesn't, because he's Noel Coward, and uh, he's a he's a good captain. Had you seen this film? So, uh, this is really interesting. So, I I had seen this film before. I didn't remember it very well. I must have seen this film, you know, um, many years ago. When we were talking about which film to do, I think we were both a little unsure about it. Mm. You know, we thought we should do it because it's one of yeah. those big movies made during the war. But I don't think either of us was quite looking forward to it. But actually... It's a really it's good, really well, good. It's, it's a really, really good. Film. It's a really yeah. good film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a pleasant surprise to me watching it again. Yes, I, I, I and actually, it, it is obviously it's it, it's a staple. It's um, at the time of recording, and for about three more weeks, actually, it, it may be longer than that. It's on iPlayer. It, it's sort of there's a group of films. Obviously, the BBC has decided are are sort of <laughs> essential, essential British films at all times. Yes. <laughs> So it's made in 1941. Uh, well, it's, no, they start writing a script in 1941. It's made in 1942. Um, uh, Noel Coward is Britain's biggest star at this point, yeah, yeah. probably. Um, and, and, and and a proper star, right, direct, starring. You know, you don't get that anymore, really. Yes. <laughs> I mean, no. It, it, and uh, but he's never made a film before. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the, uh, the he turns in a script for this. At the end of forty one, and the producer says, "Well, this is a nine hour script, <laughs> <laughs> and has scenes in Paris and the Bahamas." And I don't know if you've checked the news, Noel, but filming in Paris is going to be quite hard in nineteen forty one. It's inspired by the story of HMS Kelly, yeah. of which apparently was big news in uh, in nineteen forty one. Do you tell us about HMS well, so Kelly? Well, I mean, this this is um, Lord Mountbatten chip. I mean, this film is in many ways just sort of a fictionalised biopic of Montbatten and his ship, which, you know, takes part in all of these sort of landmark operations of the first half of the war and then is um, sunk um, at the Battle of Crete. Um, I'm guessing Montbatten probably lived in an even nicer house than Noel Coward lives in. Yes, yes. And I'm all friends with Noel Coward. And yes. I mean, you know, do you know about... The costume Coward's wearing. I mean, Coward is wearing the helmet he is wearing is Montbatten's helmet he no actually way. wore in battle. So Montbatten is very. I mean, up this, this is film. De Niro level. Um, yeah, and, and during think, yeah. the war, you know, the yes. war you've got to keep going back. This is halfway through the war, and Montbatten's like, yeah, borrow some of my uniform. You know, I mean, Montbatten. You know, obviously, this all works out quite well for Montbatten. You know, who ends up being promoted and all of this. And, you know, 
it, there is a lot of apparently um, Mountbatten later in life was slightly regretful of this film because many people saw it as sort of a huge exercise in self-promotion. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> small exercise in, in self-promotion. <laughs> Noel Coward, this is his first time directing a film. He gets David Lean in to help. With do the, the action, action things, to do yeah. to do the action stuff, and I think probably to do a bit more than that as well, because there, there are stories that that Noel Coward realised that making films is incredibly boring a lot of the time, <laughs> and and starts only showing up for his scenes, which is very much not what's expected of a director. So I'm told. Have you heard the William Hartnell story? I haven't. Go on. So this is my favourite story yeah. about working with Noel Coward. William Hartnell yeah. um, goes on to be the first Doctor Who, yeah. uh, but in these days is a sort of character actor who plays soldiers. He's supposed to play John Mills's brother. Um, who's a Marine, who's in basically one scene, turns up late for shooting on his first day. Coward is furious, says this is unprofessional, makes Hartnell apologise to every member of the crew <laughs> and then sacks him. <laughs> Coward, he, we've just established, wasn't turning up himself by the end of the yeah, process. Yeah, no, that's different, though. That's, that's O2. Yeah, this yeah, is a, yeah. very much the O2 theory. Um, my, my sort of, like... Sort of favorite sort of side plot in this film is the Daily Express side plot. You came. I don't know this, but so I did notice. A... So, so there are moments all the way through this where you see copies of the Daily Express yes. uh, floating in the water. At one point, yeah. there's one floating in the water that says "No war this year." Exactly, <laughs> and, that, that, and that, that's the key one. So apparently, the Daily Express, which was at the time controlled by Lord Beaverbrook, and um, was you know a huge paper, massive circulation, um, just a ginormous paper controlled by Lord Beaverbrook, very political paper. Apparently, the Daily Express, for whatever reason, took against this film whilst it was being made and decided this was a waste of Navy resources because <laughs> the Navy were helping a lot with it, kept criticising it. So Noel Coward hit back by including the Express Red, including the... Because sort of, lots of the film is told in flashbacks, so you get to put up the Daily Express headline, which didn't age very well, September the 1st, 1939, <laughs> no war this year. So Coward deliberately puts it in, making sure it's very visible to hit back at the Express. Beaverbrook, it's fair to say, is not a man sort of that takes insults very easily. So he apparently goes up to Montbatten rather than Coward. He does one talk to Coward and says, you have made an enemy for life and you will both rue this. <laughs> and where's the Daily Express now? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the kind of vindictiveness that I really admire. Yes. <laughs> I'm on both sides. Yes. <laughs> No, Shay. Um, I know that you. I know that. I know that you're very concerned with ships playing ships. You know which ship plays HMS Torin? I don't actually. Go on. Her Majesty's Australian ship, or actually, sorry, His Majesty's Australian ship, Nepal. Very um, nice. Who's of the same class and all? Yeah. All, right. Um, um, and yes, this is made with, uh, if not the support of everyone in the Admiralty. It, it, this is a. This is made with government support. This is. There's this strange thing going on in the British film industry during the war i mean again just you sort of have to remember that there, there are there are war films that are made after the war and there are war films that are made during the war and this one is made firmly during the war and and it's made 41 and 40, early 42 times when the war is not necessarily going terribly well from britain's point of view um are these propaganda films well i mean okay on one level this is propaganda it's, it's a propaganda film on the level it's made with the 
absolute support of the government. You know, they are lending them naval vessels and military personnel during the war to make this film. And you know, if you go back, you know, you, if you look at some of the pictures of the making of it, you've got the king, the queen, young princess Elizabeth, and young princess Margaret visiting the studio, and you know, seeing all of it being filmed. Mm. I mean, you don't really get a higher level of state endorsement than you know the monarch yes. turning up to the filming. So you know, it, it's made. Yes, it's you know, it's made with the support of a government at war. And the story, as I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, is very much this celebration of British values at war and British society coming together and sort of, yeah, stiff upper lips and stories. And, you know, we'll talk about the end in a moment as well, you know, how it ends. But um, is it a propaganda film? Well, yes, I I suppose it is to the extent that it's a film made by a participant nation in a war deliberately designed to shore up national morale and tell a story with the full support of the government, but it's still good cinema as well? It's a, it, yes. I mean, it, it being, you know, all of Eisenstein's films, after all, are propaganda, propaganda yeah. films yeah. made, you know, you're not making very many films in the Soviet Union in the 20s. <laughs> not but, much art has cinema but, in the <laughs> Well, just go and do your own thing, Ergie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Very interested to see what you come back with. But... It's there. There is this odd distinction. So Michael Balkan, who's the head of Ealing Studios, seems to spend seems according to one writer to to have viewed the government as more of an enemy than the Germans in in the early part of the war, because his line is basically, "Let us do our thing. We will tell the stories that you want told, but we don't want a man from the ministry standing over us and yeah. saying, no, no, you can't have a British soldier dying yeah. here.' And and so this. And, and so these are, as it were, they're sort of their volunteer. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, yes. Propaganda Ealing Studios is not conscripted. It's, it's e- signed Ealing itself Studios up. Not, it's... not been taken over by the government. This isn't yeah. Ealing Studios. This one, but 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 none of these studios have been taken over by the government. They they they. But but on the other hand, they clearly know which side they're on. Yeah. And it's actually it's yeah. interesting you see this with war correspondents as well that that they they're all wearing British uniform. They know which side they're on. And when someone go, comes up to them and says, "Look." Please don't write about this. You know they don't necessarily have to be censored. Yeah. They they ultimately so I, a couple of things on that thing. So one is you know within the admiralty you obviously have to cooperate. They've got to front mm. a ship and sailors and you know Montbatten's giving them his helmet. I mean that's you know, less essential war materials than an Australian destroyer. But you know the, the admiralty is um... could they get the Coldstream yeah, guards? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get the Coldstream guards. But, you know the admiralty the army's all helping within the admiralty though. There is apparently mixed feelings at the highest levels about this film. Um, and you know, some take to calling it in which we sink. I think this isn't a particularly, you know, you know, a particularly heroic story to be showing. And that's what is interesting is, you know, the way the story is told in. You know, it's a story of a ship. Yeah. The ship is the the ship is the central character. It's this ship's war, and we learn the people that serve um, on board. You know, you see the operation she takes part on. You've got um, sort of Narvik and the early first yeah. British disaster of the war up in Norway. You've in got which taken, she gets torpedoed. Yeah, in which she gets, yeah, so you've got a you know, bad start to the war, and then you've got sort of the Dunkirk evacuation, and then, you know... Which, not, again, not a bit not, of the not, war no, that no, had gone well. No, not a bit. The, you know, it, it, I think evacuation gives away the, <laughs> the, the, the terminal. Then being sunk in Crete. So it's, it's not a... If the central character is the ship, and it's the story of this ship's war, it's not been a particularly successful or happy war in no. many ways. And yet, it is incredibly popular. Yes. When it comes out. So it, it's it's incredibly popular. Well, the Navy takes to showing it to new recruits as well from when it comes no, out until the end that. of the war. So if you're joining the Navy in 1944, you know, part of your training is, now we're going to watch in which we serve. Because it's, it's, you know, it's meant to be a very, 
maybe realistic isn't the word, but a sort of accurate portrayal of life on board a Royal Navy ship. The one bit of cinema that, that, that sort of Britain was famous for in the 30s was documentaries. <laughs> and... Uh, and and so there's a, there's a lot of talk about the, the sort of the documentary style. And actually, the, the opening, the first five minutes of this film, in which after Leslie Howard says this is the story of a ship, we don't see any, we don't we don't see any of the characters, we don't hear anything. Yeah. We just watch the ship being put together, which is great. <laughs> which is absolutely we're going great. back the to your, we're going rivets. back to you liking engineering. Here, <laughs> <aren't> we, <isn't laughs> I mean, it's not the damn busters. It doesn't have a whole hour for you, but it's got that five minutes little five rod minutes engineering. Did, did you, I did not know that that's what happened with rivets when they, <laughs> you know, that they go in hot and you bang them and they, they expand. That's all of that is just Excellent. gold for me. <laughs> but yeah, so 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 there is this there is this documentary sort of feel to it, and they obviously they're using real soldiers. Apparently, yeah. there is a moment where Mountbatten looked at the extras who were sailors and said, no, no, they're, they're, they're all doing it wrong. And I think, I think basically got, got, oh, yeah, they got, got, sa- got sailors, sailors yeah. in yeah. to, yeah. to, to th- this is how you do it. And obviously it's, it is fictionalised, but the, 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 the Dunkirk evacuation yeah. scene does not shy away from the fact that these, these soldiers had, had lost and come back in a pretty poor no, state. No, no, no. I mean, that, all of that's very, very yeah. affecting, actually. Yeah. And you can see it's... It's it's one of these old things where it's 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 sailors looking at sailors who have not themselves had a terribly easy yeah. war, looking at yeah. the soldiers and thinking, blimey, they, these guys have been through it. Interesting because you say it's a story of a ship, and that that is the way that it's set up. But yeah. it's not really a story about naval actions. I mean, no. it's not it, it, the way the Battle of the River Plate is a is a. Sort it, of, it, is, it's is, it's almost a ship as community. The yes. ship has yeah. You yeah. never really know where yeah the. Where 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 is HMS Torin in relation yeah. to other ships? Yeah. Why is she shooting? I mean, if you sort of don't really know what's going on in Norway, yeah. if you watch it now at a distance of eighty years, and these events are not fresh in your mind, it's not immediately obvious that that Norway is where they are when yeah. they're they're torpedoed. And uh, I, I think the only bit of it that I could easily place immediately was Dunkirk yeah. because that's the bit of it, and you know. Yeah. So, it, so it, when it comes out, it's incredibly popular. It's incredibly popular in the UK. It's incredibly popular in the US. It's incredibly popular in Moscow. Really? So, uh, uh, so a US war correspondent in 1944, yeah. I learned, uh, wrote reported that the most popular film in Moscow was In Which We Serve. There we go. It's popular in Spain, fascist Spain, where it's controversial <laughs> and cinemas that are showing it are firebombed. Um, <laughs> but it's still very popular. And I mean, that's the definition of a breakthrough hit. Yes. It? Stalin's <laughs> Russia and Franco's Spain, both. Um... And I think the reason that it's popular is because it is about people. It is universal. Yeah. I mean, slightly jumping ahead towards the end, but the, the scene at the end where Celia Johnson gets the telegram that tells her that her husband is alive, I just think, I, I, I guess there is nowhere in the world in 1943, 1944, where you could show that, where people would not, yeah. Recognize that 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 sensation, yeah, and 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 it and it is it's it is completely universal. Yeah, um, are, are, we, are we concluding here that Noel Coward sort of knew what he was doing with scripts? Or? Well, I think we. It's <laughs> <laughs> a controversial opinion. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's odd because there's all sorts of things that I. I this morning I was reading a synopsis of it, and I thought, "Oh, this sounds terrible." And I, but, yeah. but I watched it last night, and yeah. I know it's not terrible. I had tears in my eyes. Yeah, when you when both with with with, with Celia Johnson learning that her husband's alive, and the the the, the bosun learning that his wife has died. Yeah. I mean, it's oh my goodness. 
so affecting. And how how real it must have felt. The other thing that I thought watching it is when they were making it, how much burden do you carry when you're making a film like this and you know that everyone watching it is going through this? You know, you yes. know that you're going to be... You don't know that you're going to be Navy training, but you know that... Yeah. You're making this for the wives and mothers and daughters of uh, men who are at sea, yeah. and uh, you know, and and so you've sort of got to get it right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Tom Cruise doesn't live with that when he's making Mission Impossible. He's not. He's not <laughs> sitting there thinking about you know the, the sort of the wives of of real IMF. But you know, it's an extraordinary. Uh, it's. I mean, it is an extraordinary film to make in the middle of the war and when it was made. Um, yeah, I mean, we keep going back. This was 1942 that this came out. So it was 41, 42 we're talking about making this film. It is it is not necessarily clear that Britain is... Britain is not going to lose at that point. But it's not clear Britain is going to win in the way it wins. No, you know, and, uh, and yeah. indeed, it, it, so it, it comes out... It comes out before El Alamein. Yeah. It's, it's, it's September, but and it's being made when British forces the, the one place the British in, army yeah. is in is 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 sort of engaged with the yeah. Germans it's running away from yeah. them at yeah. the point it's, an, ex- it's an extraordinary made. it's an extraordinary film to make at that point and you know I think if you were to if you were to watch it without knowing when it was made it would be very hard to guess I mean yeah. that, that could easily be a film made immediately post war or whatever it's not a yeah it's it, it's 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 what I like as well about the end is that sort of almost optimistic you know, some admiralty officers calling it in which we um, sink, but yeah, and the ship does sink. Um, but then this sort of, you know, and, and, and now they're in new ships and still yes, fighting yes, on. No, no, so, so, uh, so amazing, amazing speech at the end. Yeah. There, here ends the story of a ship, but there will always be other ships, for yeah. we are an island race. <laughs> Through all our centuries, the sea has ruled our destiny. There will always be other ships and men to sail. I mean, it's just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like a Chichilian speech at the um, yeah from that period, but you know, transposed into film. And and yeah, you would think that again, you sort of you you look at that and it sounds corny. Yeah, but it doesn't feel corny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's go to the after action report. I mean, I, I normally say, "Quick, Dad, they're in a cable car." What's the moment you? Call people in from. Obviously, I want to be called in for the rivets. Yes, yes. So, if assuming you're not, <laughs> they're you. building the ship, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, But actually, it's very hard. A lot of the things, a lot of the films that we do, I find we're saying. Well, you, to be honest, you can kind of skip the first hour. Yeah. Um, not this though. Not no. this. No, because because actually, it. But partly because because it's, it because it begins with the sinking of the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that a a is quite exciting. Yeah. That bit. Um, David Lean, you know, uh, yeah. knew what he knew what he was doing as well, and and B, it's sort of it's where yeah where the, the story begins right at the beginning, and and then there's sort of the setup. Almost I mean, it's also it's just worth mentioning that. that's, you're right. I mean, it's hard to pick out a single moment in this film. It works as a whole. But, you know, that narrative structure feels very modern as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, given this is a film made eighty odd years ago, you know, you open with the here's a ship being built, here's a ship being sunk. Now we're going to tell the story in a series of flashbacks interspersed with the present. I mean, that's, yes, you know, I, that's I, sort of like I, Christopher I, Nolan style to... messing with narrative orders, which we think of as this very sort of edgy modern way of making cinema. But you know, you know, Noel Coward had that in 1942. Yes, I, I can't think of I can't think of something. I'm sure there, you know, I, it, yeah. I, I, I I'm not going to say this is the one that invented the flashback, yeah. but it, it is. 
It is surprisingly ambitious, and it's surprisingly yeah. ambitious to do with your first film. Yes, especially when what you're what you're known for is theatre. Yes, which Noel Coward is, where which is traditionally yeah. act one, act two, act three. She's not so dumb. Award? Are there any women in this film at all? There are loads yes, of women in yes. this film. Yes, this is also really interesting. I think yeah. this is a, half the major characters are yeah. women. Yeah, um, Celia Johnson, her first role, um, she sort of transferred from the stage, and she gets the whole understated. You don't have to, you know, you're not trying to project for the person yeah. at the back of the auditorium anymore. Yeah, you, she, the, the camera's right on you. But the, the, the amount of women in this film, compared to other films made at that time and afterwards, many of which we've spoken about, must be a deliberate decision. Yes. I mean, so, you know, this, this is a film for the British nation, as it were. The really interesting thing for me about this is the whole people's warness yeah. of it. Yes. And, and actually, well, let's, talk about, let's talk about John Mills, who isn't a woman. Yeah. We'll, come, we'll come, <laughs> come back to him. But John Mills is an odd sort of movie star and he is, this is him becoming a movie star around here because he's short and he's quite ordinary looking. Yeah. You know, he's not Errol Flynn. Yeah. But he's a good movie star for British films like this because the whole message of British films like this is these people are people like you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We are all in this together. And we're going to follow orders you know. from people like him. Yes. No oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Obviously, you're not a person like him. You will yeah. never... Yeah. Shorty yeah. Blake is never going to is never <laughs> going to command his own ship. That, yeah. that, that, there, there is nothing... Yeah. There, there are distinct limits to yeah. Noel Coward's People's War vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but he... But no, but John Mills is perfect for that role, and he plays a version of that role in dozens and yes. dozens of yeah. films over uh, the next 15 years. The, 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 yeah. And the whole point is this is an ordinary bloke. Yeah. This, this war is being fought by ordinary blokes and, yeah. and Noel Coward. Yeah. Um, and Celia Johnson. And... Yeah. Uh, and all of those scenes are sort of the Celia Johnson, Noel Coward scenes, which are the sort of the classic Noel Coward, incredibly clipped. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think I may have been shot. So the sort <laughs> of uh, style of acting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, there's, there's, I think there's, there's quite a strong theory that the Coward basically invented that. Um, and Lawrence, Lawrence Olivier more or less said he, he took it from him. <laughs> um but but all of the all of the women are good as well. It is worth saying, I think, for, for all that this is a people's war film and that it's got lots of women in it. The roles for women in this film are having babies, raising children, looking after the home. Oh yes, yes. You know, knitting. There, 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 there are. There's there, none of these women are going to work in factories. No. Um, none of them even get to sort of. I do. I don't think we even see a wren. I don't think we see any women in uniform. No, I don't think we do. I don't. Um, think, which is which is an interesting decision, given you've consciously made the decision to have lots of women in the film to then put them in a very sort of traditional. They are. They, they, I mean, there's a line in it where uh, men must work and women must must weep. Is it? I. You know that 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 is that is the verse that's here. Yeah. Um, so this is both novel in some ways and in its sort of class attitudes and its gender attitudes yes. it's incredibly traditional oh yes, yes, <laughs> yes. this is not a film after which anyone is going to storm anything <laughs> um the movie body count is in the hundreds it's yeah. quite hard to know but but the ship had a complement of 300 and yeah. only 90 of them survived yeah, back to, um, various yeah. others killed we see various germans uh, leaping into the water. We don't necessarily see the Germans 
being killed. The the well, actual- no, but this this is. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's in some ways quite a bloody film. Yeah, but it's it's all, it's not off camera violence. You see ships sinking, but it's not it's not that sort of visceral close up violence. It's no. a, yeah, it's sort of hands off violence in a way. I was thinking about it in relation to uh, Master and Commander. Um, oh yes, yeah, you know, know. in which is which is. Which is ship-to-ship violence, but yeah. it's ship-to-ship violence in the days where ultimately what you had to do was get on board the other ship and then hack them all to death. Yes. Can't really imagine Noel Coward doing that. No. No. <laughs> there, was a, there was a whole question about Coward casting himself in this because yes. with the best will in the world, people said, look, the whole cigarette holder yeah. dressing gown thing, you're supposed to be a rough, <laughs> tough sailor. But, um, but he more or less pulls it I off. I think he does. I mean, think he, he actually does. looks great covered in oil with stubble. Yes. I've got to yeah. say, it's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> We've found your, your meme for this week. Yeah, um, the Cooler King Award for the most gratuitous American character. There are no Americans in this war. No. I mean, no. partly there are no Americans in this war at the point at which he's writing this. Yes. But also, this is not a film about Americans. No, and you couldn't have... I mean, see, there's no way you could have crowbarred an American into this film that I can think of. No, no. And I mean, you can't, you can't not... even have the volunteer pilot who's come over, you know, yeah. the, the sort of Ben Affleck-like. It, 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 no. And I, I mean, that said, it's an incredibly popular film in America. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when it, by the time it comes out, it's sort of post-Pearl Harbor. America, I suppose by the time it comes out, America is in the war. Yeah. Um, although not involved in Europe. And indeed, and indeed its point. experience of the war has been ship sinking. Yes. So that, that probably helps. And... and and the universal values of sitting at home waiting for the, te- the telegram delivery scenes in this yes. are tremendous, actually. The, the, which, which then become almost a trope in later films, right? Up to, yeah. Right up to Saving Private Ryan, or um, you know, you see, um, you know, at the beginning the the woman getting the letters that you're yes. children's yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Um, so I guess I guess that is that's the universality. I mean, it's interesting again that listening to something American one of these films that was made for American servicemen. Um, during the war, there's this whole thing about um, British stiff upper lips and the fact that when a chap says his journey was a bit dicey, it means he was torpedoed twice and this kind of thing. <laughs> it, 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 so, but they obviously get that in this. this sort but of the, the, how, in which way around does it go? Is it that, you know, um, British chaps have this stiff upper lip and the film reflects that? Or is it that we have films saying British people have a stiff upper lip and therefore that's how people think they have to behave? I would love to know the answer to that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's there's a mass observation study yeah. question there. I did try and investigate the origin of the phrase stiff upper lip for the stiffest upper lip of the world because there is actually a moment in this film where somebody says, <laughs> keep a stiff upper lip, yeah. which I, I, and I thought, is that? Yeah. The first, that's not where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it I, again, you do wonder whether this sort of popularised it yeah. a bit. Did, and it's different. I mean, there was obviously the Noel Coward stiff upper lip yeah. thing, but actually, it's it, it's interesting the way it goes below decks, yes, as well. And the the bosun again, the bosun being told by John Mills that that his his wife is dead, and in the middle of writing a letter to her, oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> no, and yeah. Mills, who is completely working class, he's very much the Ronnie Corbett in this. Yeah. Um, uh, film is allowed to express his emotions. You know, he's allowed. To, he he's actually seems to be sadder. Yeah. Obviously, he's not sad, but he expresses. He's allowed to express yes. that sadness. That that um, the the bosun sort of just says, "Thank you for telling me." Yeah. <laughs> Almost mustn't grumble. You know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> glad about your child. You know. 
And introducing, who's in this in a tiny part who went on to be a legend? Who did you spot, Duncan? Well, I, did you I, spot him? Who, who should I have spotted? He's Richard Attenborough. Oh! Richard, Atten- Richard Attenborough, who didn't even get a credit. I did not this, spot Richard that's Attenborough. That's how... So he is, he's, he's, he is listed as young Stoker. He's the one <laughs> the who... The role runs... you cast me in at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, of the no, no. <laughs> I had you more as Shorty Blake. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, he's, he's the guy who runs away. Really? Um, yes. And he only gets, you know, sort of three scenes. Yeah. But... You can sort of see, oh, okay, yeah. here, here is a future giant of the British yeah. cinema. Yeah. It, it just going to... But not William Hartnell, as we established. Not William Hartnell, no. no. I mean, it, it, technically, John Mills's son is, in fact, played by John Mills's daughter, um, but not Hayley Mills. Um, a, a, a lesser Mills, I'm going to say Juliet Mills. Um, but to be honest, this, this may be her biggest role. So <laughs> it's, it's the only <laughs> I'm thing... I'm not like, sure it goes for the future star. It's, it's, well, it's the only thing I've seen her in. I think she you know, she does. Um, he's bought it, Sarge, the best death. Oh, there are loads, though. Well, I want to give it to Attenborough again. Yeah, fair. Okay, fair. Because he fair. he gets redemption. You know, yeah. I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you I'll tell your parents. You did all you know. You yeah. did all right. But I mean, yes, no. There are there are loads of there are yeah. there are loads of deaths, and yeah. they're all yeah. they're all terrific. Go, 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 going back to the point that some people in the Admiralty thought not the most effective propaganda <laughs> film. I mean, they were wrong, but you could say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, well, it's interesting that that works, isn't it? That actually yeah. that that it works much better than a film in which this destroyer goes around and you know single handedly wins the war. But yeah, I mean that's the thing. It, but, it comes out in 1942. Like you know, how do you make you know this is this is this is the kind of propaganda film if it's a propaganda film you want to make. Sort of you know things are going wrong, but. Amid everything going wrong, people are maintaining their their courage, their, their their sense that they're going to win. At the end, they're still confident they're going to win despite all these blows. Had you made a film in 1942 about a destroyer, you know, winning the Battle of Narvik and then you know <laughs> somehow preventing the Dunkirk evacuation and then preventing the German conquest of Crete? Yes, yeah, no, this? absolutely. You'd, you would have got yeah. laughed. And actually, it, the other thing that is that is notable, and I, if we get to to, to, to the Good Luck Award for Best Meme, um, it's uh, John Mills listening to Neville Chamberlain telling them that there's a war and a yeah. fantastically self-pitying moment from Ch- Chamberlain. Oh, you can imagine what a blow this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> and he just it ain't exactly a bank holiday for us. It's, yeah. that, that's a, a, a really interesting piece of sort of pomposity pricking. Yes. You know. Yes. The, the, Neville Chamberlain is not the biggest loser of, <laughs> of, of September 1939. You know, there are... And uh, it's not very... not highly memeable. Well, you know, we've got... Um, I, I, Noel I, Coward, I, but other than that... Yes, I, 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 would ta- I would take gifts of, of, uh, of Noel Coward and Celia Johnson <laughs> sort of uh, keeping their faces immobile. Um, nastiest Nazi. No Nazi? No. Well, I, I mean, there's a, the pilot is machine-gunning... Um, uh, sailors in the water. Do we think? That, See, it, it, it. Do we think that happened? Well, look, it may have happened occasionally. Yeah. But I don't think it I would mean, have been a sort of standard. It seems, it seems quite a lot of effort if you're a Nazi pilot and you, yeah. see, you can see, you see eight guys clinging to a raft. You know yeah. how many dive runs are you going to make? You're yeah. quite a long way from base, and yeah. you know you've sunk the ship. <laughs> take, <laughs> yeah. take the win. Yeah, no, there are no Nazis. Again, we it's just, we were talking about this um, with Dan Busters, but again, it's a film where you never see the enemy except yes. at a distance, yes. and not even then, really. No, no, you know, I would, I suppose maybe that's how the naval war felt some of the time. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, but I mean, you know, I mean, you, know, you mentioned Master and Commander before. 
this isn't Master and Command either. These these are guns with very very long ranges. Yes. <laughs> The Dan Buster's Dog Prize for the most problematic moment. I mean, it's not a moment. There is the whole general role of women in the film. Yes, that's what I've got. Men men must work and women must work. Yes. That is, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're remaking it now. Yeah. You know, even if you say, well, obviously they weren't on the ships then, you'd have wrens. Yeah. yeah, You you know, Mills' wife would be working in a factory and this kind of thing. They would, and yeah. That's not that that has not aged terribly well. Uh, the Loose Lips Award for Best Lines. <sighs> what are you going to go for? Well, I mean, like I'm going to go for um, Leslie Howard's narration at the end. Um, yeah, there will always a... there, there, there will always be ships and there will always be men, you know. And this, is... you know, but I think when we, you're right, you are right, you are obviously right. I think it's a great ending point to the film, and it sounds ridiculously pompous. And if you just read the script, it sounds pompous, but it. You could say the same for some of those wartime Churchill mm. speeches. I mean, you could say the same for some Shakespeare, you know, the Band of Brothers speech yes. for Adjunct yeah. from Henry. You know, it, it, it's that sort of speech. It has to work it's in a, the moment. Yes. yes you know. it's a, uh, and it's, it's really well delivered. And it's, yeah. And actually, Noel Coward, I mean, on that, Noel Coward's speech to his final, final speech to his sailors, you know, we, which he sort of tries to put across the idea that, in a sense, you know, it's not so bad that the that the 200 of the crew died because they went to got to, they got to go down with the ship and she was a good ship <laughs> yes you know and and in a sense it's not so bad that that, that we got sunk because you're all going to go you know you're yeah. all going to go and be better sailors yeah, from here. Yeah, yeah, better <laughs> ship <laughs> putting putting a brave face on yeah. it <laughs> judgment at nuremberg any war crimes I'm not sure there is. No, it's no, a, no, this is a no, sort no, of fairly honest, fairly honest war. <laughs> this is the theme with naval films that we've yes, done. Uh, <laughs> is this the operation that changed the course of World War II, Duncan? No, but it makes no attempt to claim it is, does it? So, you know, <laughs> you've basically picked a, you've picked a destroyer. But, you know, to be clear, is that is, you know, a destroyer is a small ship. Yeah, it's, it's a big ship. It's got three hundred people on board, but it's it is small compared to a battleship or even a cruiser. There are lots of destroyers, and we just we've picked a destroyer. We followed the destroyer for the first two and a half years. We've showed what life is like on a destroyer, and that, that's what the film's trying to do. It's interesting at the end that, that, that when they say there will always be other, will always be more ships, you get a yeah. shot of an aircraft carrier. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like, yeah totally. okay, you know, yeah, yeah you got HMS Torin, but we're <laughs> coming back with the Art Royal, and yeah. then you'll get her. Worth dying for. How does this film stand up? It's a really good piece of cinema. It's the, actually the script, I, I can't. the script is good, the action sequences are good, the story is good, it's got moving moments. It's beautifully shot. It's good, yes, it's I completely great. agree. I completely agree. I we, when we were talking about this, we were both a bit ambivalent and actually watching it, I was I, I was all of the stuff that Noel Coward wanted me to feel, I felt. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's sort of tearful and proud, and my lip wobbled, but ultimately, yeah, keep, keep it stiff. <laughs> That's um, here ends the story of a podcast, but there will always be other podcasts, for we are a podcasting race. <laughs> Thanks for listening. That was a pod too far with me, Robert Hutton, and Duncan Weldon. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, and if you liked it, rate and review us. You can drop us a line at podtoofar at gmail.com or on Twitter at podtoofar. Next week, The Dirty Dozen. <laughs>